Hello and welcome to The Teller and the Tale right here on Blues and Roots Radio. I'm Michael Williams and I'll be your host over the next half hour. This week my very special guest is a storyteller, Here's Crow, who uh, tells stories from the Narragansett people's uh, tradition. Here's Crow spoke to me from her home in Vermont. Hello. Well, hello there, Michael. Hi, here's here's Crow. Hi, how are you doing today? Glorious. Yeah, yeah. You're you're in Vermont, is that right? That is correct. We are at the bottom of the uh yeah, like the lake. I can't remember the name Champlain. of it. Cheese Lake Champlain. Oh, Lake and Champlain, yes. Yeah, brown ducks are on one side of us and the green mountains are on the other. Right, lovely. Well, I'm I'm so glad that you could take the time, uh, you know, to 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 be with me today. And my story is um, I've been telling stories for thirty years. Yes, yes. You know? And um, but I told the small groups. I was never. I had ne- never had any illusions about mm-hmm. becoming a Joe Bruchak or a Gail Ross or any of those marvelous well-known worldwide international storytellers. Yes. Uh, my idea was very simply that I would, well, uh, you talked a little bit about background. I was yeah. raised by two people who um, my father said to me, we have a lot of relatives, um, ancestors in Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. Full stop. Mm. Okay. And he said, you'll see the hazard name all over the place, which was my birth name. Okay. And other than that, the only time I ever heard my grandfather's name was when my mother said an unflattering three-letter acronym. Oh, you're talking about, hmm, again. Hmm. And... um my father never mentioned him, and I thought, this is all very odd. And when I asked the question, the answer was, he is not part of our lives. Uh-huh. So as and my, my, my little storytelling brain goes, that's another story for another day. Yes. Don't pick at the scab. Yeah. And, um, come to discover that um, I met uh, someone from the Narragansett tribe. And when I told him my last name, he went, oh, my God, you're a hazard. Oh. And I said, yeah, both literally and figuratively. <laughs> uh-huh. But uh, but so so you you go by here's crow. Is that is that yeah. is that proper? Yeah. OK, that is it. Yeah. Uh, my full name is Papakiskan Nathawal Kalkantawa, which is Narragansett. We am fully enculturated. Right. Both spiritually, politically, physically in our lives. Um, Both my husband and I made a pledge some time ago to be servants of the people. Yes, yes. That's what we do in as many different ways. I've done everything from cleaning out the outhouses at Sundance to uh, having the opportunity to mentor young people in storytelling. Yes. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. You've done a lot. And I mean, um, and, and with all kinds of audiences, young and old. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. I've been 
very wide range. Yeah, I, I wanted to, you know, because so much of what we're doing now because of COVID um, is is online and mm-hmm. we're kind of interacting in this digital space. I, I like to um, offer the um, the land acknowledgement. Uh, you, you know what it's I mean? Coming. Yes. And this is, you know, so the one from from the city I live in, I live in Hamilton, uh, Ontario, which is at the end of uh, Lake Ontario, um, uh, not far, about an hour away from Toronto. And uh, and, and my city is also, you know, is home to many uh, Indigenous people uh, from across Turtle Island. And um, and of course, the um, uh, Six Nations um, is is very close uh, you know, to, to where I am. So um, my city, Hamilton, is situated on the traditional territories of the Erie, the Neutral, uh, the Huron-Wendat, the Haudenosaunee, and the Mississaugas. And Mm -hmm. the land is is covered by the Dish with One Spoon Wampum Belt Covenant. Mm -hmm. And it was an agreement between the Haudenosaunee and the Anishinaabek. Um, to share and care for the resources around the Great Lakes. And I think that's really important. And I, you know, I really try to, you know, in- encourage my, my, my own family and, and friends to take on this, this um, aspect of caring for our land. Um, and I know, and I know, you know, I know that's, um, you know, I'm not telling you that because I know you really know that, but I don't, I say that, share that with you. Um, because sometimes we forget when we're on the in the digital space here that we are also on re- on land and yes. uh, on solid ground, and I I just wanted to put that out there as well and share that with I you. Appreciate that. Um, my husband and I live in an octagonal white cedar one room log cabin yeah. that has zigzag partition. I thought between the bathroom and the kitchen, it would be nice to have a wall. You know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> there, there is a modicum that we can uh, bow to. But yeah, yeah. The truth is, it is built with eight walls, which is not unlike the sweat lodges mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. Um, And they represent um, the four winds. And uh, excuse me, the four spirits of the directions, not the winds. And in between each one is um, a principle that Mm -hmm. is a foundation for us Mm -hmm. with our truth, honor, integrity, and humility. And they are in the Mm -hmm. order. Yes, yes, okay. And this house is built the same way. But when I first moved to Vermont, um, I went and spoke to the only Abenaki person I knew personally from having done lodges with her and said, I did not ask permission because I know that we are not 400 years ago, but mm-hmm. I came and said, this is what we would like to do. We are putting a um, Narragansett Lodge um, and Big Toe was the elder who taught that. And we had that in our yard and we invite you to come and see how it is Mm. that work and we pray and we welcome you and your people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I gave her tobacco Mm -hmm. and she accepted it. And from that time forward, I have always said when we go to ceremony, when we go to powwow, that we are guests on this land and we know it. Yes, yes, yes. 
And being a caretaker is one thing that I, we do in this place. But when I go someplace else, I go as a guest. Yes. I follow. I don't try to lead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As yeah. I would be if you said to me, why don't you come for dinner? Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't go in and tell you how to cook or how to do your dishes. Right. <laughs> right. I'd ask you where you wanted me to sat, sit. And yeah. that's, that's exactly the balance that we hold because we are neighbors. Yes. Yes. I like and that. Yeah. Can I, can I ask you when I always ask guests, you know, and then go back to, to childhood where can you tell me in what way, how stories and storytelling was a part of your, your early life? Yeah. I had a mother who had been a teacher. Um, and so whenever I came to a word I couldn't pronounce, she'd say, well, can you use it in a sentence? Mm-hmm. And I'd say, well, no, I kind of know what it means, but I don't. She said, you know where the dictionary is. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and so it became more my relationship with words that started me off. Yeah. I also inclined, they tell me as a child, to tend towards tall tales. Right. Okay. If I had a bologna sandwich, I'd probably tell you I had a mustard, I had a ham sandwich and it had mustard and Swiss cheese. Right. Right. That was just everything could be a story. Yeah. And I also would come home from the movie theater and I would repeat from my mother line for line all the highlights of the two hour movie I had just sat through. Right. Said I used to, as she said, as I got older, I used to hate to send you to the movies. <laughs> I might as well just go with you. Yes. <laughs> so um, that's that was were, a piece. Were, were but, you uh, were, were you read or told stories um, by by your parents or yeah. or uh, yes yeah yes I and uh, mostly my older sister. Okay. Who, uh, uh, we are opposite in personality. But she started praying for a little sister when she was six. Mm. Mm. So we had a very close and nurturing relationship. Right. To I owe most of my good characteristics. Right. And, and were there any, any stories from the past that, that have kind of stuck with you or any, any particular characters or uh, episodes that, that um, sort of lodged themselves in your mind, in your imagination? Well, Yes. Um, I would say, believe it or not, uh, just a generation back, my grandmother, who we called Mimi, uh, was from Sweden, mm-hmm. and uh, her parents were Gusta Holt and Ila Svensson, in mm-hmm. case he really didn't need to check her card, just <laughs> take a look at the sound of the parents. And she was a guide, not so much for me but for my sister. So I watched the nurturing relationship rather than being part of it. Yes. And I truly loved stories. I became a writer at about seven or eight. Right. I started with poetry. I went to short stories. As a matter of fact, I've had um, a book published twice, two publishing. Yes. Yes. Poetry. Um, no longer for sale, out of print, but okay. uh, 
I still, I, I have 10 copies left. Right, they're precious. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, that, that's probably not going to happen again. But I'm also writing a novel now of a mm-hmm. uh, teenage daughter of a European father and a yep. very traditional mother. And she right. wants nothing to do with all this. Well, the opening line of the book is, I hate this Indian stuff. There's, there's a lot of, of those mixed in. My mother and father were not particularly supportive when right. I started this part of our heritage. And it is only a part. Yes, I've got a yes. Fire. I've got lots of Scott. And I've got German and Swedish and da-da-da-da. So yeah. that's why I have never made it a point of fighting with people. I simply, and I had the good fortune to be adopted in my 30s by a Tsalagi woman who was a nationally known storyteller. Right. And she helped me enormously with the characterization of voices. She's the one who taught me Indian sign language. Ah, okay, okay. Which I for many of my stories. Right. Um, could I invite you to share a story with our audience? Sure. I yeah. have one that is um, very, very pointedly from the Northeast. I say that I tell tales of the longhouse. Yes. When get permission. Um, I, for instance, I tell Rainbow Crow, which was Thomas Whippoorwill's, was in his family for five generations. Mm. He let Nancy Van Damme um, publish it before he crossed because he had no heir to take the story. So I got in touch with her because I knew he had crossed and asked her permission. Mm-hmm. I said, there is no one else I know. And you have a copyright, which technically makes the substance of the book, yours. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she wrote me the loveliest note back that says, for all the years that he has been gone and all the years since the books were published, no one has ever asked. And mm-hmm. I have heard the story over and over and over, variations. But that's part of what we are supposed to do yeah. is to look at whether you're native or not, particularly if you're non-native, is to do a little research. Where did you hear the story? Mm-hmm. If you don't know where to look, go ask the person who you heard. Mm-hmm. And if you gather some books, and I must tell you one of the greatest gifts she gave me two years before she crossed, she said, when you and your husband come down, my husband, by the way, is Menenshush Mekinok which is an imperative. It says, go slowly, turtle. Because mm-hmm. um, he does both. Sitting and listening to her and her stories, it brought me closer to being able to open up to others and to not be afraid to say, that was wonderful. Where did you hear that story? Does it come? And the problem with Longhouse stories is, They come from everywhere. I was just talking to a Mexican whose family survived the Spanish invasion. And they have their story. The problem is they have to dig them up. They're still there. And I said, my problem is everybody's got our stories. Mm -hmm. And so it's being very careful about whose hands you place them in. 
So the talking stick and the origin of the talking stick, um, I know is claimed by the Haudenosaunee and um, by Deguana Wida, who was the great peacemaker of that confederacy and of, of many tribes paid tribute to his efforts. And uh, it's given to him because it is the earliest form we have of a formalized democracy. Mm. And it starts one day when a young brave, very shy, but he had earned his seat on the council. And so he went into the longhouse. And as he had on so many other occasions, he sat and he saw quarreling back and forth, and back and forth. And he wanted to hear, but he couldn't hear one over the other. And he wanted to speak, and he couldn't because he knew no one would hear him. So sadly, he got up and he left the council house and he went back to his Witu. And he picked up his bundle, which would have his sacred things in it. And he went out to the woods and down to a beautiful maple tree that was right by the edge of the stream. And he sat on the ground and he laid out an altar with a pipe and some smudge and a bowl of water and the sun for the fire. And he made prayers and he asked, how can I help my people? Kaupantawit, the creator. And he knew prayers can take a long time to get an answer. So he just sat back against the tree and was listening to all the animals. People think the woods are quiet. The animals talk to each other all the time. Tweet, 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 tweet. And it was constant and he was smiling listening to it. And he reached down and picked up a stick off the ground and he was drawing with it. And then he picked it up and he took the dirt off the end. And he suddenly realized that everything had gone silent. Every animal had turned to watch him. Well, he was so startled, he stood up and he dropped the stick. And of course, they all turned away and began to talk to one another. He didn't get it. Well, how could this be? Why are they all now talking? He wasn't sure, but anyway, he sat back down, knowing he still had a bit of a weight ahead of him. And again, he picked up the stick and he's drawing and moving pebbles around. And he picks it up again. And as he puts his hand here, silence follows. Now he's starting to get it. What are they listening for? What are they waiting for? Why are they not talking? Well, this time he decided he would try a little trick. He took the stick while they were quiet and moved it out to the side and dropped it on the ground. Yep, yep, they just everybody started talking. He picked up the stick again. There was silence. And he said, thank you. And the 
Swami Nuswantulangash. Thank you, all my relatives. And he picked up that stick and he ran just as fast as he could back to the council house, which was a long house. And he went straight into the center of the circle. And he looked at the elders and he raised his hands and said, may I speak? Creator has sent us a gift and I wish to share it with the people. Now, this was a very shy young man, and this was a very bold statement to make to the um, council, particularly to the elders. So the oldest elder got up and told everybody to sit down, and he told them to be silent and gave the floor to Braveheart. So... There he was, and he told them the story of the council that morning and how disappointed he had been because they all had good things to say, but there was no time to listen. They only made time to talk. And then he told them of what had happened when he had gone to pray, and the creator had used the animals to teach him what to do. And it has been the way ever since, because as he was talking, the elders began to smile. And then all the men, the women, the children, all began to nod their heads. They knew what was expected of them. And from that day forward, the talking stick is held by the person who calls the circle or who asks for the circle. And they speak and say why they've invited others to come. Maybe ask for help, maybe offer help. And so he would say or she would say her part and then the stick would be passed to the person on the left. And then no one spoke. If you had to spoke or leave, you did it while the stick was being passed from one person to another. And they had the floor. And if an elder got the stick and fell asleep with it, better get set for a long sit. Because other than somebody giving him a nudge in the side, we sat and we waited. Nobody called out his name, told him to wake up. Because this was one of the first ways where everyone had an equal voice. They could say, no, this is a bad idea, or yes, this is a good idea, or how will we do this part of it? But no one answered them. They put the questions out, and when the stick came to that person who had an idea or an answer, they would respond. So from that day to this, the talking stick, some people now use a talking feather, but the talking stick is a symbol of empowerment because it's passed to the children. And sometimes the children get the stick and they decide it's time to tell a story. Okay, we all sit back, listen to the story. It does not matter what the person chooses to say. What matters is that every voice is heard and every idea is considered. And that still happens today. 
we had a virtual talking circle and we simply had to say, I now pass the stick to the next person. And then they would be quiet and the next person would begin. And I thought a virtual talking circle? How Exactly how's that going to work? Well, you know Mm -hmm. what? At midwinters, we normally gather for a pipe ceremony and a feast. And it's a large giveaway because it's um, at midwinters, you always give uh, return things that you borrowed to make with your neighbors kind of a thing. And so the talking circle was actually instead of our regular circle because COVID got pretty rampant mm-hmm. up here as it, nothing like some of the other places because we have more trees than people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it didn't get as bad here, but right. uh, we're still waiting in line for our vaccine. You're listening to The Teller and the Tale on Blues and Roots Radio. I'm Michael Williams. And my uh, guest this week is Here's Crow, a uh, storyteller from the Narragansett uh, Cultural Traditions. Thank you so much for that story. Uh, that 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 is uh, and a very important you know tale. I imagine you know many people have heard of the talking stick, but to hear the the history, the origins uh, of the stick is very important. It, it's also reminded me of the virtues of of listening. And it's very important. Um, you know, social media. Everybody wants to talk. Everybody wants to say things. You know, um, uh-huh. but but listening is so important. And the other virtue it reminded me of was the virtue of patience. And I and I think maybe the third one that you uh, highlighted was the sense of equality that we all have something you know equally important to say. We we just have a little bit of time left here's crow but can you tell me uh, just maybe tell our audience a little bit about the series that um you are putting out on on, on video the the tales from the longhouse Tales from the longhouse again began because my people the Narragansett people um are longhouse people most of the tribal and traditional lands along the east coast had longhouse people which and longhouse was a social structure, a mm-hmm. physical structure, a spiritual structure, and cultural. Everybody had a seat based on their responsibilities when a full council was in order. Someone can come at almost any time and go to Crow, Here's Crow, my Facebook page. Well, here's Crow. I want to thank you very much for spending this this time and um, and sharing your your life and your your stories. Um, I just, uh, I know our audience will just, will just really appreciate it. I'll encourage people and I'll give them the information so they can find their way to the Tales of the Longhouse and your Facebook page as well. And the new story comes, um, is done live streamed at three o'clock on Tuesdays. Okay, great. That's, That's the next. okay. The, the next one. The other ones are already recorded. Yep. Okay, great. On Tuesdays at three o'clock Eastern time. Yep. And uh, and I hope that when uh, when COVID lifts and we can all safely safely travel, that I may have the uh, the opportunity to to come and and, and visit you. Um, you or you if you're ever up this way, then you you let me know that you're in the neighborhood. And, I have. To. Uh, yeah, we're we're neighbors, right? You know, um, yep. distance is is not uh, not great these days, and um, you know we're on a relatively compared to the great vast universe, we're on a small planet, so we're all neighbors. Um, there you go. Yeah. Thank you very, very much. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate the time to share the people's stories. Lovely. Thank you. Bye-bye, Bye-bye for now. 
You've been listening to The Teller on the Tale right here on Blues and Roots Radio, and I've been your host, Michael Williams. The Teller in the Tale is brought to you uh, every week, twice a week actually, uh, on Sunday mornings at 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and again on Thursdays at 5.30 p.m. Uh, so uh, check uh, listings in your area. Go to bluesandrootsradio.com and you can find out all about, uh, about us and uh, also about many of the other wonderful programs uh, on Blues and Roots Radio. My guest this week was Here's Crow, um, who uh, tells stories uh, of the Narangaset people uh, from that uh, tradition. And I was speaking to Here's Crow from her home in Vermont. And you're listening to uh, music from Dr. Turtle, uh, a piece called Kerchingless Wonder. And you can find that at uh, thefreemusicarchive.org, along with a lot of other great music. So until next time, may all your once upon a times, uh, well, may they all turn out happily ever after. Uh, And until next week, this is Michael Williams saying goodbye for now.